Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Well, I'm so glad that you joined us here on another edition of the Catholic Connect Podcast, and I hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you may be in our fine universal church. Quote, And of what should we be afraid? Our captain on this battlefield is Christ Jesus. We have discovered what we have to do. Christ has bound our enemies for us and weakened them that they cannot overcome us unless we so choose to let them. So we must fight courageously and mark ourselves with the sign of the Most Holy Cross. End quote. And a powerful one from the amazing St. Catherine of Siena. And I love that great rally call to fight courageously and to lead with one of the most powerful outward signs of our faith. And that is the sign of the cross. You don't think it's powerful when you say a blessing over your food in public or when you pass by a church or a cemetery and you cross yourself as well. Uh, These are all very powerful outward witnesses of our faith for others to see and uh, for our own personal holiness so that we can grow in holiness as well. Another quote, This is the folly of the cross, a folly capable of changing our sufferings into a declaration of love for God and mercy for our neighbor, end quote from Pope Emeritus Benedict Sixteenth. Well, let's also turn to Scripture in St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians on the cross as well. Quote, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the cleverness of the clever I will thwart. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of this world? End quote. And indeed, boy, God sure has made foolish the wisdom of this world. And it's so important that we focus our lives on the sacraments and desiring to give ourselves entirely to God's holy will. The things that we need to do every day is to, well, of course, pray the rosary, read the scriptures, you know, something that's easy to do. As Catholics, we know that in the universal church, we have the same readings every day. So every morning, there's lots of apps that support this as well. Read the readings of the church. Journey with the church. It's uh, it's so neat and uh, such a powerful, again, another powerful sign of our faith and the universality of our faith that we can journey together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, Studying the catechism every day, learning your faith. And I cannot wait for Father Mike Schmidt's catechism in a year coming up in 2023. I know a lot of you uh, listeners have benefited a great deal spiritually from Father Mike Schmidt's Bible in a year. Well, he's going to have the catechism in in the year. And um, wow, the world is about to be exposed to the truth of Jesus Christ and his bride, the Catholic Church, in a profound and beautiful way like never before. I'm so excited. So let's continue to pray for Father Mike and his ministry as well. You know what they say about the truth, right? They just say, let it out of the cage. It's like a lion. Let it out of the cage and let it do what it will do. So immerse yourself in the truth of Jesus Christ, and you will burn for him every day for all to see. And as we grow in our faith, you'll grow in your desire to do more for Christ And one of the things that we can do on an everyday basis is grow in our love for the Blessed Virgin Mary. So we've talked about praying the rosary, and we even talked about that on a podcast episode uh, several months ago with uh, my parish priest, Father Carlos Nunez, the 15 promises of the Holy Rosary uh, to those who uh, devoutly pray the rosary every day, not only for our own spiritual lives, but something you can share with others. Uh, Such beautiful 
beautiful gift of the church and uh, so many graces that you can get from praying the rosary. But the other one that I wanted to share with you today, and it's been on my heart for a while, and I thought now's a great time to do it. It's called the Five First Saturday Devotions. And this is a link to one of the most powerful and profound events of the 20th century, and that was the miracle of the sun and the message of Our Lady of Fatima way back in 1917. So we go back to the origins of Our Lady of Fatima and this approved series of apparitions that uh, Mary appeared to three uh, young children in uh, Fatima, Portugal. And this was the series of apparitions that culminated in the miracle of the sun that was witnessed by more than 80,000 people. So this was uh, after the Virgin Mary promised a miraculous sign to these three visionaries. Their names were Jacinta, Francesco, and Lucia. And it was the prophecy from Our Lady that truly proved that the apparition and messages were legitimate and worthy of Christian belief. Again, the Catholic Church doesn't just go out and approve any kind of apparition or locutions or messages. We know there's a lot of false messages and even sometimes from people that uh, may not even have nefarious motives behind them. But, you know, sometimes it's just a, a figment of their imagination, for example, or maybe they just want to get some attention to themselves. Sometimes it's even diabolical as well. So the Catholic Church puts these apparitions and uh, visionaries through... Um, a series of tests to make sure that when someone claims that they've seen the Virgin Mary, that it's actually legitimate and worthy of belief amongst believers. So, uh, so our lady of Fatima is one of very few apparitions. Actually, when you think about all the reports of, of different apparitions and visions that's ever been approved by the Catholic church, especially in the 20th century. So the blessed Virgin Mary made a lot of, uh, prophetic statements that turned out to come out true as the years went on from those uh, series of apparitions. But really the, the prime message of Our Lady was to return to the sacramental life by leaving the life of sin and taking on prayer and penance for the conversion of poor sinners on earth. Mary showed the children a, a horrifying vision of hell and stated that souls go to hell because no one prays and does reparation for those souls. Um, obviously, that was uh, must have been a, an absolutely terrifying experience to see hell. Uh, again, confirming that the church and what the Gospels uh, teach about the reality of hell. And I don't know where some Catholics get the impression that all good people go to heaven. Uh, universal salvation, uh, it's, a, it's a heresy is what it is. Only holy people go to heaven. And you must enter the narrow gate, which is Jesus Christ himself, the truth personified. And as Jesus stresses in John 6, you must eat his body and drink his blood or you have no life within you. You know, a good example of this is the uh, the belief in the real presence of the Eucharist. You think of all the Catholics. Uh, there's, there's countless surveys that say Catholics that go on Sunday regularly, every Sunday to Mass, only about 30% of those Catholics believe in the real presence of the Eucharist. So we have a long way to go, a long way to go as a church to grow in holiness so that we may be blameless before Jesus Christ. And we can be worthy of entering the kingdom of heaven. And it really starts with that source and the summit of the Christian life, which is the Holy Eucharist. So let's pray and make reparations for ourselves, for sure, and for the sins of our family and our community. You know, it doesn't have to be complicated. Start slow and progress steadily. And here's a pro tip for you. Uh, say three Hail Marys from your heart as soon as you rise in the morning. So as soon as you get out of bed, and another three Hail Marys at the end of the day, right before you go to bed. 
offered up to the Blessed Virgin Mary and ask her to keep you free from mortal sin, all sin, especially sins of impurity. So, fellas, I know that this is something that we all battle with in some way, shape, or form. Most have it worse than others, but everybody battles through it in some way, shape, or form. This is an important devotion. It's been a devotion that's been in the church for many years. So something small like that, just start with that. Or how about giving up a a cup of coffee in the morning that you always have and offered for the specific intention of conversion of souls. Now you may think, hey, Dave, this is truly a first world problem. I don't think God really cares about giving up a luxury like coffee. Well, of course he cares. Of course he cares. He knows your sacrifice. He knows that it's something of the world that you are fond of. And drinking coffee or eating a pastry uh, from Tim Hortons in Canada, we all love to have a muffin or a donut. You know, in itself, it's not a bad thing. It's not an evil thing. But when we sacrifice something that is not evil, for the greater glory of God, it is a powerful and profound act of sacrifice that you're giving up something good for something better. So, you know, you even think about the beauty of celibacy, the beauty of marriage. They go hand in hand. They bless each other, the sacrament of marriage and of holy orders. And what I always tell the people, I tell people whenever they challenge the Catholic Church and the Catholic teachings on celibacy is that, you know, priests and religious, what a gift it is that they give that celibacy as a gift to Jesus Christ because it's an outward sign that they're giving something up that in and of itself is not bad, but they're giving it up for the glory of the kingdom of God knowing that they're going to go to heaven because something even greater awaits them. Something more beautiful that goes beyond this fleeting and passing life here on earth right into eternity where we're going to be living with Jesus Christ and beholding the beatific vision forever. And remember, when the world does their little finger-wagging towards the Catholic Church for a lot of the disciplines that people choose to take on uh, in order to sanctify themselves and sanctify the Church, remember, like we said earlier, Has God not made foolish the wisdom of this world? So back to Our Lady of Fatima and uh, that frightening vision of hell. In addition to that, she also came um, to the children with predictions that there would be an even more deadly war if people did not repent. So think back to the time. It was about 1917. That was the year year 1917 when the first uh, apparitions occurred. And uh, that was right... uh, towards the end of what was known as the Great War, World War I. And uh, that prediction from Mary came true. It said if you did not pray and repent, uh, people stopped uh, offending God, there would be a worse war. And sure enough, only about 20 years later, an even worse war occurred in World War II. So in addition to that prediction that turned out to be true, Mary also said this, that uh, before that, that war would happen, the world would see uh, illuminated light in the sky uh, by an unknown light uh, and know that that would be the great sign given to the world by God, that he is about to punish the world for its sins. So so Mary predicted this. My dad, as you know, I've talked about in the podcast before, he came from the old country as um, my grandparents on both sides of my family came from the old country, from Europe. Specifically, most of them came from Czechoslovakia at the time was known as Czechoslovakia. Today it'd be known as Slovakia. So my dad, God rest his soul, before he passed away, he revealed uh, uh, many stories about uh, living in Czechoslovakia at the time, most of them not so good. Uh, He related the story of how he had been 
an eyewitness to this unusual light along with all the people who lived in his village. Uh, the village was called Nizhna, N-I-Z-N-A. And he told me that the light was so bright that the residents of Nizhna and the surrounding villages, they thought there was a fire of some sort nearby. So, so very profound. He would have been about 12 years old at that time. So uh, it was interesting to hear that witness from my dad. He didn't really know what it was at the time, of course, over time as he got older and started understanding uh, what had happened at Fatima. Uh, he, of course, remembered that light and remembered that warning that was given to Our Lady. And uh, there are stories even in Canada that people saw that light as well, but it seemed like it uh, it was especially bright in Europe. So, uh, so another prediction that came true from Our Lady of Fatima to those children about 20 years later. So things starting to come full circle with the devotion to Mary on the first Saturday of every month. In addition, Mary revealed the following in one of her secrets to the children. She said, I shall come to ask for the consecration of Russia to my Immaculate Heart and the communion of reparation on the first Saturdays. If my requests are fulfilled, Russia will be converted and there will be peace. If not, she, being Russia, will spread her errors throughout the world, causing wars and persecutions of the church. The good will be martyred. The Holy Father will have much to suffer and various nations will be annihilated. But in the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. The Holy Father will consecrate Russia to me, and she will be converted, and a period of peace will be granted to the world. So, of course, all of that came true. All of these things that Mary predicted came true, and uh, a whole other podcast, of course. But they estimate, you know, a staggering 60 million people perished during World War II. And, and among those millions, perhaps tens of millions of Catholics, our brother and sisters, Catholics, died. So think of the aftermath of communism uh, that is inflicted on the world, um, all kinds of evils, and particularly Catholics in Europe and other places, of course, like Cuba. We're even seeing that even recently, even today. And of course, the dragon, the communist dragon of the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, what an abomination uh, that, uh, that regime is, not only to its own people, but uh, specifically to Catholics and people of faith. So there was a mention to reparation on the first Saturdays in Mary's message there that I just said. And that devotion actually existed for centuries prior uh, as Saturdays has always been dedicated to the Immaculate Heart of Mary in the Catholic Church. But specifically, the first five Saturdays were revealed in a post-Fatima apparition to Lucia, who uh, had became a, become a nun. She entered a convent. And uh, here's what Sister Lucia had to say and uh, what she recorded. She said, by her side, elevated on a luminous cloud, was a child. The Most Holy Virgin rested her hand on her shoulder. And as she did so, she showed her a heart encircled by thorns, which she was holding in her other hand. At the same time, the child said, Have compassion on the heart of your Most Holy Mother, covered with thorns, with which ungrateful men pierce it at every moment. And there is no one to make an act of reparation to remove them. Then the Most Holy Virgin said, Look, my daughter, at my heart, surrounded with thorns, with which ungrateful men pierce me every moment by their blasphemies and ingratitude. You at least try to console me and say that I promise to assist at the hour of death with the graces necessary for salvation. All those who, on the first Saturday of five consecutive months, 
shall confess, receive Holy Communion, recite five decades of the rosary, and keep me company for 15 minutes while meditating on the 15 mysteries of the rosary with the intention of making reparation to me. All right, so this is where the uh, the rubber meets the road here. This is some pretty powerful stuff here. So uh, what is it uh, meant by the reference to Mary's Immaculate Heart and specifically those thorns? Uh, five things here. And that's what represents the five Saturdays, the, the first Saturdays of each month for five consecutive months. Number one, it's the blasphemes against the Immaculate Conception. Number two, blasphemes against Mary's virginity. Number three, blasphemies against her divine maternity in refusing at the same time to recognize her as the mother of all men. Number four, the blasphemies of those who publicly seek to sow in the hearts of children indifference or scorn or even hatred of the Immaculate Mother of God. And five, last but not least, the offenses of those who outrage her directly in her holy images. So there's a lot to tackle in these five here for sure. And I don't want to talk too much about it, but I know a few things that, that stand out to me. Even the first one, the blasphemies against the Immaculate Conception. And it's football season. You all know I'm a big sports fan. <laughs> but uh, I love Jesus and Mary more. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for uh, all the blessings that you've given to me and how much fun it is to follow sports. But there's also a time and a place for for holy things, right? And um, if you go back, even before I was born, a lot of you remember this play. It was in the in the NFL. It was a playoff game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Oakland Raiders, I believe. Long story short, you can search it on YouTube. A lot of you already know what I'm talking about. But there was this play. It's kind of a just a, a real fluky play, kind of a bang-bang play in the playoffs. And um, the Pittsburgh Steelers made kind of a desperation attempt to to try to win the game at the end of the game, or very, very late in the game with a, a pass downfield. And uh, through a series of uh, bouncing off people's heads, I believe, and some hands, uh, the Steelers get this reception, uh, run it in for a touchdown and win a playoff game. Well, some guy, um, I think it was some media guy, called this, uh, this reception in a football game, a playoff football game, he penned it the Immaculate Reception. And the first time I heard that, I was like, what does that even mean? And as I've grown older and more mature in my faith, and I don't know how you feel about that too, but um, the Immaculate re uh, Reception is what the name of this play is, uh, this silly football game in which the Pittsburgh Steelers win. And uh, I've always had a problem with that that name. It just seems to be that uh, uh, after a football play, talk about kind of dumbing down something that's so beautiful and profound, the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary and how that all ties into the history of salvation of Jesus Christ coming into the world. Well, it starts with the conception, the Immaculate Conception of Mary as well. So I've always had a problem with that. And then when I read the that this was one of the, the thorns in Mary's heart, I always think, you know, best to try to avoid even references like that. I mean, of course, we're talking about it just so that we all are on the same page with with what this all means. But even something silly and simple like that, I just think that in Mary's eyes, it does seem, it, it is something that's big. It is a thorn. So, you know, whenever we hear stuff like that, you know, even sometimes in jest, somebody will say, if a fluky play happens, if it's a touch football game, they'll call it, an immaculate reception. It's like, maybe that's a time for us to 
take pause and uh, in a, uh, a charitable way, maybe just explain to people, you know what, guys, it's, it is a, quite offensive actually to our faith to to reference something in a football game or in, in a sporting game that's so important in the history of salvation for Catholics and for the entire world. So just a thought. Maybe you felt the same way too. Now you know you're not alone. So uh, something to think about for sure uh, as we move forward. Blasphemes against the virginity of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Um, now this can range from uh, an apologetic argument saying that Jesus had brothers and sisters. We know that is not true. Uh, when you refer to brothers in scriptures, it refers to, to cousins. So we know Jesus had cousins. Of course, some of them became his apostles. And uh, Mary did not have any other children. Uh, this, is, um, this is Catholic dogma. This is a Catholic belief that uh, Mary was a perpetual virgin. So there is that kind of an apologetic angle that you'll hear from some of our um, separated brothers and sisters from the Protestant world. I think that's easy enough to to explain uh, charitably to people. And uh, in some cases, people just don't know any better. That's what they heard from their, their pastor or, you know, they read from some sort of an anti-Catholic book of some sort. Charitably fix that. Explain to them that Mary was never was ever virgin and uh, Jesus was her only child. And um, he didn't have brothers and sisters, <laughs> plain and simple. But then, of course, we get into that world of, uh, you know, the atheist, the non-Catholic, the non-Christian that uh, uh, certainly take uh, many liberties against um, the virginity of Mary. Uh, for sure, absolutely, to the point of being a blasphemy against the Catholic Church, mocking the Catholic Church and this belief. So I can certainly see how this would be a thorn for our, our blessed mother. So again, another great reason to, uh, to participate in this devotion, uh, blasphemies against her divine maternity, uh, and refusing to, uh, to acknowledge and recognize her as the mother of all of us. You know, she is the mother, the queen of heaven and of earth and the mother to us all. And uh, one of the most beautiful, well, there's so many beautiful images of Jesus's life. And of course, uh, his death and resurrection, but at the cross, how Jesus before he before he died, gave Mary to the world when he gave Mary to the care of John, uh, St. John the Apostle, and uh, gave her to all of us. Blasphemies against those who publicly seek to sow in the hearts of children indifference or scorn or hatred towards um, the Immaculate Mother. And I think that ties back into these three previous blasphemies. You know, these things all kind of accumulate over time to the point that Mary is really kind of shoved off to the side. And um, even in our Catholic Church, where we used to have a lot of devotion towards Mary for many centuries, and I know there's so many good people that are trying to to keep devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary through praying the rosary, uh, you know, before Mass on weekends. We see that in a lot of different parishes, and that's great to see. But, uh, you know, over time, if we don't honor the Blessed Virgin Mary, we have this uh, this indifference. That was the word that, that really... Um, uh, struck me uh, in this passage here, the indifference towards our Immaculate Mother and uh, another thorn that we need to um, to uh, to offer our reparation for to console the Mother of God. And lastly, the offenses uh, to those who outrage directly with uh, holy images. So we've seen that in the past. And, um, you know, it's it's like anything. You have a picture of the Blessed Virgin Mary, put her up in a a prominent spot in your house and venerate that uh, 
that particular image. It's a sacramental. It reminds us of the love that the Blessed Virgin Mary has for us, the role in salvation of bringing Jesus to us so that uh, we could go to heaven one day through his death and his resurrection. You know, again, probably a subject for another podcast. There's so many stories about uh, miracles around the images of uh, of Mary. But we also see that uh, even in uh, some nations where they were trying to get Christians to denounce their Christian faith, what they would do is they would have them uh, in public would have to uh, to step on or stamp on the uh, the image of Jesus Christ and even the image of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Uh, I figured that it might be a good example of uh, what that means and, and how that uh, that wounds the heart of uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary and adds to those thorns. So these are the offenses, just kind of a, a little entry-level uh, um, introduction for you to understand what they are. And that, uh, that causes Mary so much sorrow. So with that in mind, here are those steps to make reparation when we're talking about those first five Saturdays of the month. So the first one is confession. Man, how much do we talk about confession on this podcast? Well, uh, the instruction is to make a good confession during the eight days prior to the first Saturday with the intention specifically of offering reparation for the offenses against Our Lady's Immaculate Heart. Now in the church, I believe they actually allow a window now. So as long as you're in a state of grace, uh, so free of mortal sin, you can still uh, receive communion, go to Mass, uh, without going to confession uh, the eight prior days, but you'd have to do it within a week uh, afterwards going to confession. Again, if you don't have any mortal sins on your soul, congratulations, beautiful grace. Thank you, Jesus, for that. But uh, remember those um, those small venial sins, even though they're forgiven when we receive Holy Communion in a state of grace, it's good to confess them because venial sins can tend to accumulate into a mortal sin if you leave them festering. So always make a good act of conscience and uh, go to confession, even confess those venial sins as well. So number one, confession. Number two is receiving Holy Communion. So when you attend Holy Mass, you receive Holy Communion with the intention specifically, again, of offering reparation for the offenses against Our Lady's Immaculate Heart that we were just talking about. And the communion, number three of the conditions here, uh, number three is the communion should be received on the first Saturday of the month. So I know that there's the, the vigil mass on a Sunday uh, that you can go on a Saturday night. I think it's anytime after 4 p.m. And as long as the readings uh, coincide with the readings of Sunday, uh, that would uh, cover your obligation for Sunday. Uh, no cheating here. We're talking about going the first Saturday of the month to the uh, specifically the Saturday mass in the Catholic Church, which would usually occur either in the morning or early afternoon. And uh, that's the mass that you've got to go to. No cheating, no shortcuts, everyone. Don't do that. Uh, our, uh, our Blessed Mother has done so much for us. No shortcuts. And she will reward you for it, I promise. Number four, the confession must be repeated for five consecutive months without interruption. Um, otherwise, you must uh, go back to the beginning again. It's only five months, everyone. You know what? I look back on my youth. My mom and dad took me several months. I, I think I even lost track of them. So technically, I know we live in a technical world where we take things so literally and sometimes we we get uh, kind of caught in this, uh, this rut of checking boxes, right? Uh, don't do that. The Blessed Virgin Mary doesn't want this devotion to be like that and our Lord doesn't want it to be like that. Uh, he doesn't want it to be transactional. He wants you to do it out of devotion. So 
Uh, even if you do this for five straight months, keep doing it afterwards too. Don't stop. Just keep on doing it. Number six is 15 minutes, 15 minutes of meditation on the mysteries of the Holy Rosary. So we're not talking about 15 hours here or 15 days straight. We're talking about 15 minutes. It's not very long. It's something that you can do as soon as you go to mass. You know, you could probably, what I do is you pray the rosary before mass, go to mass, and then just have a, a nice little booklet, the Father Pat- Patrick Payton uh, Guide to Praying the Rosary. Just have that book on you. Take those 15 minutes after Mass and Thanksgiving and uh, just meditate on one or, or several of the mysteries of the rosary. Again, it's not rocket science here. It's not 15 hours. I mean, that's the beauty of, of so many devotions in the church. God is not asking us to give that much of our time. 15 minutes, that is nothing. So let's do those 15 minutes and uh, and take that time to meditate, especially right after Mass. It's a great idea. You're in church. You're in the presence of Jesus Christ. Let's just do it then. And then the last one is to say a prayer to the Immaculate Heart of Mary to conclude the devotion. So I know there's a few different prayers I saw kind of floating around, but here's one that I saw, and I'll just read it to you really quick. It's it's a beautiful one, and I think it, it captures um, the devotion that we need to have when we're praying this. It goes, Immaculate Heart of Mary, my mother, I come to you in childlike prayer. I earnestly desire that all the people of the world may be brought back to the humble knowledge and love of the sacred heart of your dear son. I pray, dear mother of my God, that the wonderful beauty and purity of your own immaculate heart may so win our souls that we may detest all sin and dedicate our lives to the honor and glory of the God who created us. You revealed the secrets of your own sad heart at Fatima and begged for penance, prayer, and conversion of the world to God. What more can I do than unite my heart to yours in this great yearning? What can I add but the fervent prayer that all the world may listen to your pleading? I give you my heart, my heavenly queen, and in confidence I leave to you what is best for me in answer to my prayer for love and reparation. Immaculate heart of the mother of my God, I implore through your powerful intercession the conversion of the hearts of men, complete victory over sin, and the return of the peace which you have promised. Amen. All right, so some powerful stuff here. I'm pretty excited about this. I hope you are too. So what does our spiritual disposition need to be for this devotion? Well, Our Lady promised that she would assist at the hour of death with the graces necessary for salvation, the souls who make the first five Saturdays. However, it's important that the desire to console Our Lady's Immaculate Heart by making reparation and growing in holiness is the main motivation for the practice. To underline this fact, this is what our Lord told uh, Sister Lucia in a uh, in a vision uh, later on uh, post-Fatima when Sister Lucia was in the convent. He said, It is true, my daughter, that many souls begin the first Saturdays, but few finish them, and those who do not complete them do so in order to receive the graces that are promised thereby. It would please me more if they did the five with fervor and with the intention of making reparation to the heart of your heavenly mother than if they did 15 in a tepid and indifferent manner. So again, it's really the point of this is to have devotion and love in our hearts, not just to be automatic like a robot and checking the boxes and saying, okay, listen, I'm doing these devotions. I did them for five straight months. Give me my promises, right? Let's not be like that. Let's have love in our hearts to uh, the most wonderful woman who had ever, who has ever lived 
And uh, it is our mother as well, and the mother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what struck me about that message uh, to, um, uh, from Jesus to Sister Lucia is that some people don't even complete it. I mean, it's only five months, right? Uh, but here's some simple ways uh, that we can keep, or some practical ways that we can keep rolling through this devotion, not only for those five months, but also straight through those five months and, uh, and beyond, uh, right to, to the end of our lives. First and foremost, you just need to do something very practical, and that is go to your phone, set an alarm for yourself on the first Saturday of every month in the morning, one hour before Mass. Do it right now. I'm waiting for you right now. Just go do it right now. That's the most practical thing that you can do. Don't worry. There, again, no rocket science here. Uh, no uh, heavenly intervention other than getting off your butt and simply changing your clock and putting an alarm for yourself to wake you up and get you to mass on the first Saturday of every month. The other thing you need to do though, is to pray for the obstacles and distractions that uh, can be cleared from your path that would prevent you from this devotion and others as well, not just this one, but all the other devotions. And we're talking about the rosary. We talk about the divine mercy chaplet. Uh, you know, um, even the Angelus is another one too. These little prayers that we can do throughout the day that don't take very long, but we have a lot of excuses. And at the end of the day, there's no one to blame but ourselves. So uh, let's just keep on praying. Ask uh, one of the saints to help you with this as well. Padre Pio, great saint, St. John Bosco, St. Charles Borromeo. You have your own favorite saints as well, I'm sure. Uh, but all these saints can help us in our journey towards eternal life and our journey towards our own personal holiness. You know, another example of that is just even your family. If you got children like me, you know that uh, it can be real hectic on a Sunday morning trying to get people to mass, especially your little children. So uh, things can go off the rails in a big hurry. So, uh, and if you're in a rush to go to mass, that can really throw off the way we worship, right? That's our, our disposition. All of a sudden we're in scramble mode and we can't just get settled into, uh, into prayer and to listening to what Jesus has to say to us. So we just need to make sure that we're making that extra time so that, uh, no promises, of course, you know, there's going to be some hair on fire days, but it's, uh, that extra practical time that we can allow ourselves to maybe eliminate some of those hurdles for us. So for first Saturdays too, I know it's not always easy getting the kids out of bed, but to offer to take them to the park afterwards, or maybe even get them a sweet treat of some sort. The important thing is you're teaching your children devotion and introducing them to the very best of what the Catholic church has to offer. And it's not always easy. So make it something that they look forward to, you know, going to church, not always easy. Having a prayer life, not always easy. It's a challenge sometimes, but that's to show our love for Jesus Christ and he will reward us. And if it's not in this life, I guarantee you it will be in the next. And that last point too, you know, a, a lot of us, what we do is uh, done with good intentions, but not always with the right heart, if that makes sense. So for example, we go to confession, not because we're sad that we've offended our Lord, but we go because we're afraid of the prospect of going to hell. So that in itself, not a bad thing, but perfect contrition is what we need to build toward where we avoid sin, not because of fear of hell, but because we fear not walking in a right relationship with Jesus Christ and living in a state of grace. And uh, that we dread not living in a state of grace. That's where we need to be. So when we do the first Saturday devotions, think about Mary and consoling her in her sorrow. Don't take that marker out and cross off those first Saturdays on the calendar just to check a box, but do it out of love for her to make reparation for yourself and for others. Quote from St. Catherine of Genoa, 
If it were given to a man to see virtue's reward in the next world, he would occupy his intellect, memory, and will in nothing but good works, careless of danger or fatigue, end quote. Remember too, let's put a smile on our face in everything we do. Let's give people a reason to ask about the hope that lives within us. If you ever see these atheists, uh, these talking head guys on social media, I just can't get over how miserable they are, can you? I mean, it's dark enough to live in a dystopian world devoid of Jesus Christ, and it is pitch black dark in a world with no joy. You know, St. Philip Neri, he's the patron saint of comedians and of laughter, uh, two great things to be patrons of, right? He said, the true way to advance in holy virtues is to persevere in holy cheerfulness. So let's put that smile on our face, my friends. And let's thank Jesus for this great gift that is the Blessed Virgin Mary, who he gave to us at the foot of the cross to St. John, the beloved apostle, and who he then gave to the rest of the world to us as a gift. And the Blessed Virgin Mary loves us so much. Let's repay her for all the, um, the great gifts that she gives us, her intercession before the throne of Jesus Christ, and uh, alleviate this, uh, these thorns in her heart. By taking on the simple but pious devotion, let's do it with cheerfulness, with love, and uh, always with the the thought of offering reparation, not just for ourselves, but for others as well. Because as she said in Fatima, so many souls go to hell because no one is there to pray for them. So let's become powerhouses of piety, love, and devotion to our Blessed Mother and be that beacon of light and truth to this fallen world. Well, thanks for listening to the podcast, my friends. Can you not feel the winds of something big in the church coming down? I don't know what it'll be, and I definitely don't even know uh, what the world would call it, if it'd be good or bad. But what I do know is that if we live life in a state of grace, stay churched up and prayed up, like I like to say, we have nothing to fear, nothing to fear. So let's keep learning about our faith and keep it simple. Reading sacred scripture, digging into the catechism of the Catholic Church. That's your one, two, Manny Pacquiao combination that we need when things go off the rails, either for individuals or on a larger scale. Uh, Be prepared to be that beacon of light to others who will no doubt need it someday. It might be someday very soon. We've all been placed on this world for a reason. And in the time that we've been placed in today, we have a special vocation that God has given to each of us. You've got a special, special role in the plan of salvation that just keeps on going ever since the time of Jesus Christ. So I'm so excited to see how you do with it and keep praying for me that I can be uh, faithful to the vocation that God has called me to as well. You know, there is a sports station in Canada and their slogan is called, uh, or was called fueled by fans. Well, this podcast is fueled by grace and fueled by your prayers and your support. And it's so great to know that we've got such a fantastic universal church out there And every day, it makes me so grateful and so thankful that I belong to it and that you're a part of it as well. You know, I look at uh, the beauty of our universal church and how the beauty and devotion changed the heart of one Shia LaBeouf, of all people, this Hollywood actor, this prodigal son that had it all in the, the eyes of the world, but was spiritually and morally bankrupt until he encountered the life of one St. Padre Pio, this movie that uh, he portrays our great saint in our church, a great modern-day saint. So as a part of Shia's research into the life of Padre Pio, he actually went to live with the Capuchin Franciscans in Europe for a short time as part of that research. 
And that's where he discovered the universal language of our Catholic Church, Latin, our communion of saints, the monastic life, all the very best things that our church has to offer. And now he's come home. He's a member of the universal church. And this is this is powerful stuff. And the call to spiritual greatness has never been more needed than it is today. So pray for Shia LaBeouf. Pray for those who are considering joining the church during this diabolical time in the world. And as St. Peter said, free yourself from this corrupt generation. So let's pray for the folks that are thinking of converting. What an amazing step that is in this world today to say outwardly and publicly that you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you've decided to take on that cross. So let's keep persevering in this road together, helping others out, and to find the narrow gate that is Jesus Christ, the truth personified. So let's go live that sacramental life and walk with Jesus, being in a state of grace. And you know what we got to do. We got to go to confession at least three times every year. And as a bonus for this episode, the first Saturday of each month devotion to Our Lady. We got to go every Advent, every Lent, the first Saturday of every month, at any time you're in a state of mortal sin. Don't even spend a second of your life there. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. God bless, and we'll chat with you very soon.